Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Ladies and gentlemen, we're happy to have back in studio with us here and make it playing this time for the podcast, our dear sister, Donna Hilton. Donna, welcome back to Make It Plain. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. Thank you for having me back. It's, it's a pleasure to have you. You look great. Thank you. It's been a heck of a year. <laughs> really? Well, tell, tell us from your perspective, why has it been a heck of a year for you? Well, I think everything that's going on within the country that keeps us on our toes, right? Mm-hmm. You, got, you got to say woke Yeah. <laughs> with everything that's going on. And just like in New York alone, we were able to pass the most comprehensive criminal justice packet in the country. We still got some more, you know, uh, legislations to pass, but um, it looks good. At least we've gotten somewhere, you know? Yeah. It took some yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. I wrote about one of them in my book, yeah. the domestic violence one, the DVSJA. And so after 10-plus years, we finally got that passed, and it's kicking off January. So uh, for those who may not know about the DVSJA, tell our audience about yeah. it, what impact so that this, had. Um, it's called the Domestic Violence Survivors Justice Act, and what it is is legislation that, um, you know, women incarcerated, formerly incarcerated, and our um, allies, supporters, Sister Mary Nerney, central to it, um, and uh, formerly of the Correctional Association, Tamar um, Kraft Stoller and Jaya Vasadani, who helped put all that together, and with the exceptional help, I have to give her a shout out, uh, former Senator Ruth Hassel Thompson, uh-huh. who was the, basically the sponsor and champion of the bill um, in Albany, and she was part of it now getting passed. And so we finally got it passed. So what it will do is allow, you know, we it's for women and men, but our primary focus for women because we know the vast majority in prisons and jails are there for abuse or trauma. And so what it'll do is allow them to their cases to be revisited based on if they can prove some significant factors of, of abuse in their lives, mm-hmm. which a lot can, mm-hmm. but it's not like a get-out-of-jail-free card where, you know, right. we had that right. like, oh, is everyone? No. You have to show that you have to, you know, really have some significant um, um, showings of, of abuse and trauma and stuff that led you. Either you committed a, a, a an act that was, you know, against an abuser or you were part of something that you had no control over, but right. it was based on your abuse. So right. we look right. forward to that. Yeah. Give people a second chance. To be clear, when we say the vast majority, your your 
claim has always been, and it's been pretty much proven. Oh, absolutely. That <laughs> that the majority of women who are incarcerated have been mm-hmm. victims of mm-hmm. violence and or abuse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There's. I mean, I still know women and young women right now who are not telling people, like telling the you know, John and Jane Q public, because it's still that shame, that stigma that comes with it. And, you know, and I have to always um, reemphasize that women, especially women and girls who go through um, any type of abuse like that, start owning it and, and feeling like it's their fault. You know, I felt like that for a long time. Like everything that happened was my fault. I caused everything to happen because you start owning, it starts as a kid. Yeah. Kids can't process that, Right. right? Right, so right, absolutely. right. And and that's the nature of victimization. I mean, and, and that's on it. You know, I, if you think, even if you think about it, I, I feel on a macro, Donna, you know, when we look at ourselves as an oppressed people in this country, mm-hmm. as black folk, how many of us, how many things happen to us just as a race of people every day that absolutely. we blame ourselves for? All the time. You and know. we're taught that. <laughs> From birth, right. we're taught that. And we have to look some generation. We call it generational yeah. curses. Right. But we have some generational trauma. You know, we have to recognize it. It's true. And the system wants us to do that. Absolutely. It's y'all's fault. Pull yourself up by a bootstrap. No. Right. I mean, that's right. not that simple. We know that that stuff um, has an impact and it is absolutely. generational. Absolutely. Um uh, also, you've been working on getting Rikers Island closed. Yes, I have. Happens um, myself and other leaders, of course, but like I've been really strongly out in the front lines um, arguing. You know, we've had some like contentious kind of uh, situations with those, you know, who, um, you know, believe in no new jails and all that other stuff, which is fine. You know, they call themselves abolitionists, which they are. Definitely respect that. But, you know, those of us formerly incarcerated, directly impacted, are also abolitionists. But those of us that have been leading the charge on this campaign to close Rikers are very, um, very um, honest and, and, and genuine when we say we know that crime is not going to stop overnight. People mm-hmm. going to do some stuff. Mm-hmm. Look mm-hmm. at what happened to the young woman from Barnard. Um, yeah. This past weekend, yeah. and look at the kids; those are babies. Yeah. Yeah. Those are babies. So yeah, you got to think about that. They need time out someplace, you know. So our focus is conditions of confinement. So we're not saying that we want four new jails. First of all, they already exist. There's nothing new about them. Only one will be new because they're switching the site in the Bronx. They already exist. We we went. It actually was more like eighteen, twenty jails. And it went to um, 12 because Rikers Island was, is the last penal colony. And they already still had the four jails that exist. So what we're saying, shut all those other ones down and leave four, um, uh, we call them facilities, in each borough, right, to deal with the issues at hand. Because, but then what can we do differently now that Rikers Island has not been doing for a very, very long time? In an ideal world, what would that be? What would what be it your would prescription? Be is like, I mean, leave people in their communities. So they can stay connected to if they have any kind of family or, or support, mm-hmm. right? But if they Because that makes a difference. Yeah, I mean, that you can absolutely have makes a difference. Family. Some people think, you know, well, let's be punitive, dismiss people from their family, no, take them away from that, their family. No. That has an opposite effect, doesn't absolutely it? Absolutely does. And so with that, that's why I try to, when I talk to people, I, gotta, I try to get them to understand, first of all, don't believe the hype. 95% of people that are in our prisons and jails are going to get out one day. Hello? Yeah. I'm out. Yeah, you <laughs> and out. a whole <laughs> thousands 
<laughs> of others are out as well. Right. I mean, just That's very true. similar, all this stuff. So how do you want somebody to come out? So our thing is as soon as a person is going through the detention period and the in the trial, you know, that the, 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 the criminal the legal system, you know, as we call it, um, how are they to be treated? What support and, 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 and services do they need? And so what we're saying is use the community-based organizations that are doing these programs, grassroots, and have them be a part of the system. Have them be there inside where they can get the services they need. No, it's not a response to, and I always say it, to um, drug addiction or whatever addiction, um, mental health or anything like that. Those are separate things, but it also and should, be treated, and should be treated as such. As, as health as, issues. Absolutely. Right. But that's another thing. A lot of people from our communities don't even have proper health care, right. and that does right. a lot right. to a person. Your body's not right. You're not, you, you, do, right. you get caught up in some stuff, and yeah. it's not an excuse. It's a reality. Yeah. So we're saying have these support services there. So as soon as a person walks in, they're preparing for their exit. No matter what goes on, mm, they're preparing for their I exit. Like that. And that's not what happens now. To plan for and look toward leaving. Yeah. You know, we were talking as you were coming in. I was reminding you that I, I spent half my life in D.C. Yeah. And I remember um, when Marion was mayor. Mm-hmm. And the city could no longer sustain um, the the prison system, the or the jail system. Mm-hmm. So they gave it back to that branch, yes. that judicial branch, gave it back to the federal government and to okay. Congress. And um, the debate then was now whether well, we're going to start sending D.C. people arrested and charged in D.C. all over the country, these federal institutions. And we were like, <laughs> well, no, that's not defective that either because mm-hmm. you want people mm-hmm. to be near their families. Yes, it- and whatnot. It makes a difference. It make it makes a big it difference in terms difference. of recidivism, doesn't yeah. it? But you know, you have those absolutely. But you have those like, oh, well, don't do the crime. You know that if you can't yeah. do the time, oh, that's what you deserve. I mean, remember I talked about it when I was on the show last that I've got death threats. I've got all that stuff because you know because I speak up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But I'm going to continue to speak up and stand in my truth because we have been too comfortable with the way things have been, and that's why. We have a we are a slippery slope right now to hell. Yeah, because yeah, like, yeah. look who we got running <laughs> the country. Well, like, well I mean, all this is tied together. Well, tell us more from your point of view how it's all well, tied together, especially like, with him. Because there's this there's this ideology or whatever that only old rich white men know how to treat people and know what's right and what's wrong, or whatever. No, we <laughs> don't need that no more. Right. We need those young people. You know, outside of myself, we need we need people that that have a different understanding in this 21st century mm-hmm. and in 2020. Mm-hmm. We are not in 1820, neither are we in 1920. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So we are talking about we have to change the way we see things and understand things because the world is always changing. There's no such thing as climate control. Okay. All right. But in the meantime, our seas are rising, our glaciers are shrinking, right, causing yeah. the seas to rise. All these turbulent um, things, these the storms that we have are lasting longer and are more and are stronger. Yeah. So something's going on. So I'm just saying, like, even economically, like, to not recognize. I mean, to talk about people, first of all, and I got to give a shout out to um represent uh, uh, Congressman uh, John Conyers at this moment Amen. because, Amen. you know, I just got to give it to him because he's not been recognized as he should be, you know, to bring certain legislation and a fight for us, you know. And I have to say this, being a, a Me Too person, you know, 
I've been arguing and fighting, and a whole lot of us have been fighting, like saying, we, we, you know, look at us. We're in prison now. We're in prison based on, you know, mm. all the abuse and the sexual right, um, right, right. trauma, all this stuff that's happened to us, the rapes. And so, you know, it's become weaponized to me. And so we don't, we're taking out, you know, the people who have been doing laying groundwork for us mm. and fighting these systems and these and this ideology that only old white rich men know what to do for us. You can't come into our communities and tell us what we need. Only we can tell you what we need. And as far as, you know, even for women, we tell you what we need. No, it's not all right to be groping my crotch. No, it's not all right to be pushing me up against the wall and taking kiss because you can because, oh, you're a this reality celebrity kind of nonsense that's going, you know what I'm saying? It's just this this whole, the paradigms that have existed needs to be shifted and changed. But, but to be clear, though, and, and when you speak of John Conyers, one of the reasons, I mean, let's be honest, he should have and would have had his body lay in state in the Capitol, too, as dean of the House. Absolutely. But he um, was ousted, he was ousted. on yeah. me too. So yeah. so I, I don't want to just I don't want to skip over that. Yeah, no. Because you said, you know, obviously you were me too as well. So as a a black woman, mm-hmm. victim of me too, mm-hmm. a double victim, mm-hmm. uh, because you were incarcerated. Absolutely. I mean that led to your incarceration. I mean, we all think about that, folks. We talk about me too me too for black women ain't the same for white it, is it's white not. women. Me too black women <laughs> often end up in prison <laughs> for being a victim of me too. Whoa, uh, but (laughs) but but no, I hear what you're saying, but I want you to expound on it a little bit more about about how you still can honor John Conyers, even though he was accused of Mm -hmm. Me Too. When I say it ain't the same as a Me Too victim saying mm -hmm, it, so I want you to say mm -hmm. so how I look at it. And this is my personal, um, you know, view of it and analogy of it, that it's become so weaponized. Right. And for me. And I know it's you not mean the easy for the allegations, right, of, of sexual misconduct, whatever they may be. And for me, I'm not looking to hurt you. Right. I'm not looking to hurt any per- person that abused me. I'm looking for how do we now we do some restorative kind of justice kind of work? How did what would that look like? What that looks like is not taking an entire person's livelihood and, and history away from them, the work that they've done. Right. Mm-hmm. But looking at the at the at the issue, looking what the, the what that one act two act, whatever it may be. And what's the problem there? We never look at the root causes. Right. What we first just want to say, OK, guilty. That's it. Let's just off with their heads. You know what I mean? That's not for me a good response. I'm not looking to take people's livelihood or anything. I want people to own up to their actions. I want people to take responsibility. That's what it looks like for me. But how do we get there? It's not about stripping somebody of, of you know, the means that they need, you know, their livelihood. That, to me, is, is just not where I feel that we should be going. We should not be uh, weaponizing Things that could be measures to get us to a healing society, a healed people. What about Cosby? Same thing? I feel Would the you? same thing. I feel the same thing. I mean, and I'm, I mean, I have my questions on certain things, yeah, too, yeah, because some people are retracting all of a sudden. You know what I mean? Like, oh, well, you know, that wasn't the truth or whatever. And, but we hear this. It's like a person on death row. You know, they got all this stuff, all these allegations, all this proof, all this stuff. And then... Come to find out after you executed them, oh, we might have made a mistake. We might have missed something. Maybe we should have done this differently. You know what I mean? 
um, I, I agree with you. But again, it's more impactful to hear you say that than me. Because, yeah, you know, you when, it, when a dude it, defends another, I mean, I say it, but when a dude defends another dude. But actually, you know, just last week on The Daily Show, uh, every week we had Meet the Black Press. And one of the lead stories that Dr. Ben Chavis brought up was, you know, Cosby's appeal being overturned. He's got a chance at another appeal or something. Mm -hmm. But the same week, Harvey Weinstein pays a settlement. Cosby's in prison. There's no fairness or equity right, in any right, right, of that, right. right? And so it's like a rush to judgment and a rush to um, basically just, like, cancel a person out. But it depends on the person, and it definitely depends on the person's skin color. Right, You know right, what I mean? Right. So I think that that's wrong. But I don't feel like anything should be weaponized, used to, to, to like, hurt. I think that there's some healing that needs to um, happen, but we can't do healing if we're too busy, like, punishing, punishing, punishing. You're not but, but, but that's why... You're here, and, and I believe, you know, a whole lot of other folk feel called by God, but God has called people like you and you specifically at this moment. You are able to say that mm -hmm. because you have been a beneficiary yes. of restorative mm -hmm. justice. Mm -hmm. You were written off. We just had the brother uh, Curtis Flowers mm -hmm. just, you know, got mm -hmm. off, and he's been tried with six times for murder. Uh, we know how many examples there are yeah. of unfair. And that's not to say who is or isn't guilty. Because as you're saying, yeah, you can be guilty. Of right, you can it's be not. guilty, but you you can still participate in something called Absolutely. restorative justice, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And it doesn't, and, and I think you're right, maybe it shouldn't have a politically weaponized agenda. Because, and it only targets certain people. It only targets certain But think about how many people might be willing and able to come forward and atone and seek help for victims mm -hmm. and abusers. Mm -hmm. See, because you don't, you don't see a mm -hmm. single cat come forward and say, you know what, I did this myself. Right, they're scared. And, I and, scared and, too. and, and, and I want to talk about my problem and how I can help other men and solve how, their problem. That's There's right no there. room for that. That's it right there. Because everything is punitive. And, I mean, honestly, right. it's almost worse than prison. Because, like you said, prison ends at some point. But when you are, are canceled and and and, and destroyed personally, kind of <laughs> yeah, you can't ever you can't, recover, you from can't that. recover from that. And again, that's not to excuse anybody, but but I think no, Kanye, absolutely no excuse. I think bringing up Kanye's is a good point because I didn't struggle with it. I said, listen, this man deserves. At the end of the day, John Kanye's legacy absolutely. is not going to be. Um, the mistakes he made because the good things he did in life was so much greater right. than the mistakes. As right. bad as the mistakes were, I wasn't there. I can't judge him on that. Right. And nobody else did either because he didn't stand trial. Mm -hmm. um, but that's the case. Do, do you think, though, or what? Well, I should put it this way, what impact, Donna Hilton, do you think it has on people who have been in the criminal justice system mm -hmm or who've had loved ones in the criminal justice system, when they see the man at the top commit all kind of crimes and his lawyer and everybody around him and <laughs> nothing happens. Isn't that, again, back to our own collective oppression, uh -huh. isn't that a form of trauma yes. as well when I can look up and literally see, uh, yes. I, I can get put in jail on a paper clip, but he mm -hmm. 
I mean, it's just buck. It's like buck marijuana wild. right now. It's like okay. marijuana. So, you know, it's legalized in a whole lot of, um, of our states, right? And to the point where, like, no one's really going to, no one's going to prison for it. But we still have people languishing in prison for marijuana. Yeah. So it's like, and the money that people are making is great. You know, us Jamaicans been trying to tell y'all Americans for a long time, like, you know, ganja <laughs> is the thing, right? It's healing. You know what I'm saying? There's nothing wrong here. But but to see um, who it's working for and who it's not, we have thousands upon thousands of black and brown people still in prison based on marijuana Real charges, right? right? But we have hundreds, hundreds of people making money, and they don't look like us. Right. Our people are trying to get into it. And I think like I think it's a, there's they're breaking room here, which is great. But what about the people who are still in prison? Right. So it's the same thing. There are people in prisons and they need help. We don't look at root causes of things. So instead of like making it um, to criminalize it in a way where all you do is throw somebody away, and you think you're throwing away the key because you're not because they're going to get out. What about dealing with the issue? Yeah. Dealing with what brought them to that point. That's right. what Europe does better than we do. All these people mm. taking these trips across board to see how, you know, how humane their system is and stuff like that. We could do the same thing. We could do the same thing. No, there's no such thing as a humane jail or prison, right? Not going that little phrase there, but we can do better. We can treat people as we would like to be treated. Treat people and look at them as a human being and what and get them to acknowledge and recognize what harms they might have caused. Um Donna Hill Willis, folks, you also uh, have developed uh, a college course based on your book. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that. So I was fortunate and honored um, to be um, asked to be the first scholar in resident at Philander Smith um, University in Arkansas, and that's one of the first first HBCUs in this country. So, yeah, shout out to Philander. So with that... Um, it was like, well, what? How am I going to go into this <laughs> this now neighborhood, and you know, what am I going to um, bring in part to these young people and people that are going to school? So I um, created a curriculum out of my book because, again, you know, the focus is how do we take the the, the harms and the tragedies that's happened within our lives, within our communities, neighborhoods, and 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 turn them around and try to get something positive out of them you know because it can happen it's like no what good thing can come out of what was it nazareth yeah right so it's that what good can come out of nazareth can come out some pretty good came out of nazareth we about to came out of nazareth celebrate that during christmas (laughs) right exactly so we can we can create some good and so you know use my story as an example and stories that i you know of people like in the book and the show and it, it actually, I was really honored and blessed to be around like some amazing young people in Arkansas when I um, had that tenure. And, and, and the reasons why they were even in the social justice um, classes that they're in, because of what's been happening in the neighborhood, how they've been treated, they've seen their right. brother get killed, or the, I mean, gang, all this stuff. So I see that I did a good thing by making it, you know, <laughs> uh, a curriculum. So people can really share their truths. They can open up and talk and not be afraid, you know. And I think that's one of the things that I recognize that, you know, me speaking as boldly as I do, um, it allows others, and men too, young men, older men, like come out and say things like, thank you. I just had somebody on Twitter say, thank you, I read your book. Mm -hmm. He was a victim, you know what I mean? And he happens to be gay, but, like, he couldn't get past it. And with my book, 
he's getting past it. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? And my truth. And so I'm, I'm thankful for that. So little piece of light also is the name of a nonprofit. Absolutely. So I, yes, I, I feel really honored and, and proud of myself, mm-hmm. you know, as a, as a black woman and going through all these obstacles and hurdles. And my sisters are in the um, room with me, Tracy Mendelson, shout out Tanya Pierce, my partner in, in another part of the endeavor with our 501c3 shout out. Um, so yes, I created the um, 501, a little piece of light organization. And the primary focus is women and girls who have been impacted by trauma, abuse, violence and incarceration. And you include in that and like transgender. Transgender, gender nonconforming. Mm-hmm. He identifies a woman. We don't discriminate. There's no discrimination. We don't care. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, that's what important, means, too, yeah. because yes, look how far the restorative justice movement has come just in the past 20 years. And I remember when it first started, it didn't even include the LGBT community. Yeah. And that's wrong. Yeah. Well, I mean, we just didn't know. Yeah. People just no, didn't know. know. We've all invo- yeah. evolved yeah. to give a full Absolutely. understanding about the different ways. Um um, let's not assume that everyone knows your story. And again, I spoke, you know, I alluded to this, folks, but our sister Donna, you were in prison for 27, 27 years. Yes. Nelson Mandela was in prison 27 years, too, I think. Yeah, I had the honor of celebrating his 100th last year of Global Citizen in South Africa. Yeah. You went to South Africa? Yep, I was a Global Citizen in um, South Africa. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. So, and I went to um, Winnie's house, because really Winnie's house, because she was running stuff. It's That's right. Dope. God and, bless um, her. You know, what, what touched me is really the bullet holes that they shot through the house and still in the walls outside mm. and trying to just, how do you shoot into a home that had, not because you want her, but the children, the children that are there. Too, yeah. Like, how yeah. do you do that and we see that all across the world it, 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 I don't understand like be, you're justified to kill but another person you're trying to show another person it's not right to kill it's morally and ethically wrong to do it but it's justified when you do it because you wear a badge or you wear some kind of or you have some kind of role of authority like come on it's yeah, nonsense. yeah but bottom line is 27 years is 27 years however you yes, look it at it. Yes, it is. you um, would charge with murder and kidnapping. kidnapping. Yeah, not the other stuff. Let people create this Wikipedia page, rape, sodomy, torture, and all this stuff. Those are charges, and I would have been charged with them. So not excusing or not saying, like, it's better, but, like, let's get it clear. It's yeah. two charges, yeah. kidnapping and murder, which I had no uh, – I couldn't do anything about, basically. I was a victim myself. You were there. You were just there. I was there, and I was a victim, too. Very clear. I was a victim. I was the youngest one, adolescent, basically, because I went through the system. I was an adolescent. Um, How old were you at the time? I had just turned 20. Gotcha. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, So people feel like, you know, I I, I was led to believe something, and like any um, starving young person who was traumatized and trying to find a way for herself, you know, it's like, okay. And I made a wrong choice saying, okay, I'll walk in and say I, you know, walked in on something and that's it. No. As soon as I did that, it was already a kidnapping. I had already walked into a kidnapping and gun pulled out, nothing. I had no autonomy and I was raped in the crime myself. Every, I mean, it was horrible. Tell us about the abuse and trauma you endured leading up to that. So I um, was born on island of Jamaica, and I had, you know, I, I think, my, you know, I, would, I classified my mother as bipolar in my book because, look, mm-hmm. understanding it now, I see that she had those tendencies strongly. Um, so she gave me, or really 
they bought me, a couple, a childless couple, and they brought me to this country. I was seven and a half. By the time I turned nine and a half. Well, you said they they bought. Did you say bought? Yeah, they, monies were exchanged. And definitely um, paperwork was doctored. So you could do, I come from this so-called third world country of Jamaica. So wow. you could do a lot of things, right? And how do you... Um, how do you adopt a child that's growing up with, fam- you know what I mean? Gotcha, <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. So it's just, you you could see, they were, they, the writing's mm. kind of on the wall with that. But by the time I turned nine and a half, and I was with this couple now who I was told to call mom and dad, I already knew my mom and didn't have a father figure around, but definitely mm-hmm. my mother mm-hmm. and my family in Jamaica. So that was off because I was saying, well, when am I going to go to Disneyland? Because that's why they said they brought me here as a child. Mm. You know, that's what, the, that's what the talk was. And I'm like, yay, excited. Mm. They never brought me there, but... Um, so by the time I was nine and a half, my now father figure was taking me to a closet and just in the bedroom and almost daily, like, raping me, sodomizing me. Mm. And so it just that it just kept happening, happening, happening. By the time I was 14, thought I was going to get some help from an older man and that lived in the building. Finally, somebody was like, I see. I know something's wrong. I'll help you. I believed. Just needed help. Get away. Um, at the time, I had one of the most uh, prestigious uh, scholarships in New York. Um, to go to a, a high school in Delaware. Um, that didn't happen because I ran away, couldn't take it anymore. But that person turned into my worst, become my worst nightmare. Right. He did too. And it just kept happening, happening. And I was still a kid. I was, a, I, I was a teenager. Everything that happened to me in my life, and I emphasize this, everything that happened to me in my life happened to me that I was 19, 19 mm. half, like 20. So <laughs> I was a kid. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. there's, I didn't see how I could get out of it. The adults I went to for help helped me. They turn into abusers as well or just turn their backs. Mm. Like we don't listen to children. Mm. We don't listen to people that are getting hurt, especially women. And so that's why I stand up so strongly. We need to listen to our children. We need yeah. to listen to people. We need to listen to women. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sure you see people like I do who have been through what you've been through. Mm. But they don't look like you. And they don't care themselves like you. I mean, you got it <laughs> together. How? By the grace of God. I mean, people ask me that question. They're like, first of all, you don't look like somebody who spent 27 years in prison. I don't know what that person looks like because I've seen a lot look like me. I don't think like an, I'm, I'm an exception. You know what I mean? Um, just to be clear, my sister Tanya over here has also done some time. You wouldn't see it, but she's a businesswoman. You mm-hmm, know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like you never know who's who, what's Y'all the best dressed formerly incarcerated people I've ever seen, but go ahead. That's fine. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think <laughs> one of the things if is If they had a fashion to... show or pageant for best dressed returning <laughs> people. And I'm not saying they put nobody else down, yeah, but, yeah, but y'all, no, but you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, but 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 you got to. You don't just you just don't walk out that way. No, you, I mean, because talk to who, us about how you. Because I think one of the things is, and that's why I call it a little piece of light. Because I've always held on to some something. There was always something in me. You know, there's something different. There's something. This is not who I am. This is not my life. And finally figuring out, you know, getting past um, adolescence and 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 young women, you, you know, just healing myself, healing myself. And sadly, it had to happen when I was in prison, but it happened. Right. And I had to look at it and I was like, why am I owning everything that ever happened to anything that a person ever did to me? I owned it like it was my fault, but I wasn't comfortable with it. Something was saying, no, it's not true. And so I worked on self. I did a lot of self healing, self, um, you know, analyzing. I mean, just like reflections and all that stuff. And it was difficult. I was a kid, you know, but I held on to that. And because I I really wanted at some point to like get the world to see because when I recognized who was in prison with me, it bothered me. 
it hurt me to the core. When you recognize who was in there with you, like who? Women who have been so hurt, mm-hmm. so abused. I mean, and no one cared. Mm-hmm. Even, I mean, I had women who were there for hurting, killing their mother. Because the mother, and it's not excusing, but my God, how do you treat your child? How do you hurt your child in the ways that I heard those women talk? But I know, because I was one of them. You know what I mean? But I, I removed myself from myself and saw them and just was like, this got to change. Something's wrong here. So it just, I just organically became this person. But it really comes from when determination, self-determination, and recognizing that your value and your worth, which I had to go around the mucky stuff, and I had to forgive myself first and then forgive everyone that ever hurt me. Whatever became of your mother? My natural mother? Yeah. She died. Actually, this month makes it um, 2014, five years. Is that right? Did you all ever reconnect? She was in Jamaica still, and I couldn't travel because <laughs> I was on parole, mm-hmm. and um, I couldn't get there. Could, so did, you, did, you talk, did you did you all ever speak again? Nope. Mm-hmm. I struggle with that, but, yeah. I believe that she knows that um, I definitely forgave her, love her. Uh, and I and she was sick. Know. She was not well. Yeah, my mother. I could tell. I, I know. Mm-hmm. As the adult, adult knows. And, and then she turned not physically well as well. But like back then when I was a little girl with her, no, she wasn't. And, you know, she was a dark skin. We looked just alike. But she was a very dark, more dark-skinned version of me, right? Or I'm the lighter-skinned version of her. Mm-hmm. So she was a pretty dark-skinned woman. Mm-hmm. But back in the 60s, yeah. 50s, 40s and stuff, it was still that, that, that mentality. And then you have right. people taking advantage and, like, you know, and she had to do what she had to do to survive. Mm-hmm. And you never know how that plays on a person's mental health, you know what I mean, her mm-hmm. psyche. So, mm-hmm. you know, not excusing her stuff, but, like, you got to understand it. Like, there was some yeah. issues there. How much did how much has your faith played a role in all of this? Uh, strongly. Faith. Um, interestingly enough, like I was always searching to find like where I fit in, where I belong, whatever, until one day I said, No, I don't need to search for that. Just be. Just yeah. simply be and just to, to know God, God that you know. So the God that I that, that I found and, and or come came to understand is simply nothing but a God of love. Period, point blank. And I've had some near-death experiences. almost died four years ago from a stroke. Before that, I had some stuff inside. I went through some stuff. And some of it is in my book. Mm -hmm. But, like, the God that I started standing in front of, I knew there was nothing that's that's not God, that's not love. We do the other stuff. Uh, Speaking of mothers, that's my mother's favorite scripture. God is love. (laughs) God is love. And, and, you know, in old days when we would, when folks used to actually sit down and have dinner together, Mm -hmm. people don't do that anymore. So (laughs) I have a meal in front of dinner and say, we all go to McDonald's now. But the, um, at my grandmother's table, you know, you Mm -hmm. bless the food. And then everybody would say a scripture, a verse. God is love. And my mother would always say, everybody else would say other stuff, but she always just would say, God is love. God is love. And, uh, yeah. It's true. So that's real. Donna, just recently, you had you lost a cousin yes. to domestic violence, correct? Yes, yes. My cousin, Andrea McDonald, um, it's a national case now in San Antonio, Texas. Um, it was a domestic violence situation. Her husband, uh, for whatever his reasons are, right, however he sees things, he murdered her in front of their, it appears, sees allegedly uh, murdered her in front of, allegedly, their their young daughter, my young cousin, who's autistic, eight years old. Well, she was seven then, 
and um, dismembered her as well, burnt her up and buried her bones or tried to hide her bones under a whole dead cow that had recently died on a farm not too away because, you know, it's Texas, our ranch. Um, and so mm. by the grace of God, she was found because that wasn't supposed to happen. There were search parties for she was missing from February 28th, March 1st, found her in July. Just saying. So, um, and mm. now we, the, the FBI, you know, released her body. And so my aunt was able, you know, to like help with the, you know, put the funeral together along with her father. Um, but there's still a lot of messy stuff going on. But that's why I do the work that I do. That's mm. why I do the work that I do. Because domestic violence, why do we think that it's okay to like hurt somebody because either they don't want to be with us or because you feel like you have power and control, you can, it, it, it makes no sense. But then we know like that's the part of the healing that we got to get to. Yeah. We got to yeah. get to that. Cause if a person doesn't recognize the harm again, <laughs> right. Can right. I mean, you spread this. I mean, it's like a disease. It spreads, it spreads, it spreads. So let's spread, let's make healing a disease. Let's spread that. That is such a tragic story. But yet, as I was hearing you tell it, I'm almost wondering what was going on in the brother's mind. And, and uh, My cousin, I found out my cousin was trying to get away from him for quite some time. And she le- she told people, she told her best friends and other people, if anything ever happens to me, yeah. look at Andre. Anything ever happens to me. Because she'd been trying. She couldn't, she couldn't get out of it. And my, my cousin was doing so well. She was, has this very, um, I mean, great um, assisted living business in, in San Antonio. People love her, in that, love her in San Antonio. I mean, they would not give up fight looking for her. These people were serious, and I just watched the way in which they embraced, you know, her, the, 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 the tragedy, my aunt, you know, my little cousin, right, right. the family. It was just amazing to see, but it was, I mean, it, it took for this, you know, horrible tragedy to, to, to occur for you to see the love and genuineness that she gave to people. Like, I found out from Andrea that she, every day, was intentional that she exhibited some form of love and empathy and caring to people. Right, right, right. And that's, right. that's amazing. How is the little girl? How is she? So she's autistic, and so you call, we, they call her, um, oh gosh, uh, it's not mute autistic, it's, uh, I forgot the other one, where she's not able to like really form the sentences well. She understands, she's brilliant. And she's, she's shown, she's done things, you know, prior, we're trying to not get her to um, focus on that, like not even talk about mm-hmm. her mother. It's like, you know, so hard, you know, when you have a child, like how do you not do that? But because it's still so horrible and you could tell she witnessed something because she has a doll. She was taken into the back of the house. She's still in that house, taken into the back of the house, which is a garden and outdoors, right, in Texas. She put the doll on the ground and then put twigs put some twigs mm. and things on top of the doll and then said, fire, fire. Mm. Come, on. Mm. Come on. She's still in the same house. Yes. That's her mother's house. That's her house. It should be her house. Where are they going to go? Yeah. But it's like, you know, in this case, thankfully, she is autistic. Because, you know, autistic um, children, people, really don't have the emotions like we have. Right, the ability, right. You know, they don't, they're not, they don't exhibit any kind of emotions the way we do those of us that are not autistic doesn't mean they don't understand and know something but they're kind of disconnected from that part which in this case is a godsend so here this child is she's she's in that mm-hmm. cycle of trauma and violence yeah, yeah. now you lost she's got no mother no father he's facing um he's his trial starts february it's texas 
you know, it's, they're probably, and I don't know this, but they're probably going to look for the death, yeah, you know, yeah. capital punishment. Right. So <laughs> it's just horrible all the way around. Uh, yeah. Andrea McDonald. Andrea McDonald, say her name. Yeah, say her name. She And the funeral just happened. We just, I just came back. Yep, yeah, it just happened yeah. this past weekend. All right. Um, lastly, long term, ultimately, what would you like to see the nonprofit do? So, with and for um, and through so people? as I um, build out the nonprofit, uh, I would like to see it help as many uh, women, young women, uh, transgender, LGBTQIA, whatever, women identifying folk as much as possible. We look forward to like what we're, we're projected um, uh, goal right now is to like for this coming year is like 50, 50 to like maybe 150, okay. right? Because we're looking at women that have been out, been through some stuff, part of the system in shelters, wherever they are, women coming out, with, especially with DVSJA, um, to be able to, to, to um, do some extra added support right. um, stuff that's not here. We don't have enough for women. We don't have enough for women. Can't overemphasize that enough. We don't have enough. So I'd like to add to what's here, do some workshop enhancements, build their leadership so they can shape and form policy, um, you know, push these legislations that we have to get through and create some that are necessary for not just themselves but for their communities. Yeah. Website? Website. My website is, um, well, there's two. There's DonHilton.com, but there's also um, a little piece of light.net. Okay. Um, also, uh, I, you know, we have a Facebook page now for a little piece of light and, and also my own Facebook and, and Twitter and what Instagram. You have to build all oh, that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She's everywhere, folks. We so, we so appreciate you coming in and. Oh, yeah. And we accept donations. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's tax deductible now that we're five hundred one right, and Absolutely. so folks, that's important in terms of yes. the work that she's doing, continuing to do. Always so good to see you. you look Thank great. You. Thanks, brother. And um, keep you up the good too. work. Thank you. And anything we can do to always be supportive, oh, we want to do that. Appreciate you, that. You are a a folks. This is a shining example of you know. A lot of us think we have problems. <laughs> we're gonna want oh, it's gonna be a bad day. It's raining outside. No, that's not. You know, Donna has overcome a far greater deal more than most of us could ever imagine. And she's a shining example of what can happen when you do have faith, when you do believe in yourself, when you do admit the trauma you've been through. Because mm -hmm. I'm see some of us mm -hmm. are too good to admit where we've been and what we've been through. There's still wholesome stuff in there. That's that yeah. thing, that shame and embarrassment. Right, stuff. right, so right. So I get right. that. So yeah. it's hard. So, you know, I come from a harm reduction lens. Like, let you do it at your own pace, but I'm going to show you. I'm going to be right here. Yeah, We're going to be right, right here to help right, support right. you. Right, and and that's why she's important. She's an example of how far you can come and also uh, an example of self-forgiveness because some of us, First. you know, know what we've done and can't, forgive ourselves and therefore don't leave the space for others to forgive us. So she has a ministry Yes. here. We mm -hmm. appreciate you. Thank you for coming back. Thanks, brother. I appreciate that. Thank you. Donna Hilton, everybody. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.